All right, well, it's good to be with you uh, still this morning, so we can say that. I know Richard uh, likes to point that out, that you can't say morning if it's noon or later. But it is still morning, so it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I hate that Richard's gone. I'm sure he hates being away from us, but he's probably doing okay uh, where he is. He's a traveling man these days. Um, And there's several of us that have been in and out, and I'm sure that'll be the case. I started thinking about it the other day. That's kind of a typical thing to say and but at certain times of the year but then I wind up feeling like that's just how it is year round there's always times where we're in and out um, there's no good or bad time for travel really uh, when it's cold you want to go somewhere warm when it's warm here sometimes you want to go somewhere a little cooler so uh, you can always find a good excuse to get away from Atlanta I guess um, but I'm glad that we're able to assemble I had a great time this morning when it came to uh, singing songs and having scripture that was read and I appreciate um, all the encouragement that was gained from that. Um, at this time, I, I do want to point out that we do have a theme for the year. Uh, it's not just for, uh, I guess, 2017, but it's the calendar year. And it's based on Matthew 16. I guess first we came, we just had the idea of just discipleship in general. And Matthew 16, 24 is what we settled on as the passage. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So at least one time a month, we're trying to focus on discipleship. But really, that's why at the end of a lot of our questions uh, in the morning and afternoon classes, we ask a question about what can you learn about discipleship from this passage or this story? Um, Because we're trying to think more about that this year and focus on that. Uh, We talked a lot about that in the sense of like what a disciple is, what it means to be a disciple. And there's a few different, um, I guess, avenues we've gone down. So our learning goal is that we need to understand what it means to be a true disciple. Um, and we've, we've done some of that, and we're going to continue to do that. And the living goal is to be a true disciple of Jesus and to make disciples. It's like, you know, it's not just doing that. It's also understanding the responsibility of being a disciple is making other disciples. Um, so to continue that, I do want to go to Isaiah. Um, this might seem a little odd to go to Isaiah, uh, to learn about discipleship when it comes to being a disciple of Christ because, well, Jesus, I mean, he's in Isaiah a lot, but he's not in Isaiah in the sense that we read of him in the Gospels. But I was trying to come at it from a little different angle, so I hope that this lesson will be understandable and helpful. I, I didn't want to do this just to be different, but I was trying to think of how can we learn discipleship from the Old Testament? And I think this is one way. There's several uh, thoughts I had, but they were very unclear and foggy. So this is the most clear one that I came to is, is in Isaiah. Uh, we're going to get to Isaiah 50 in a little bit, but I do want to pick up and, and reread what we read already in Isaiah 8. So let's begin in Isaiah 8, and we'll begin in verse 11. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it, for they... They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. And now I want to go to Isaiah 30. Let's go to Isaiah 30. 
and we'll read verses 1, excuse me, verses 18 through 22 of Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30, beginning of verse 18. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself any more. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, Be gone. Now we'll go, let's go ahead and turn to Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50. So, so far, we had a message that came from God to Isaiah. And there's a, in Isaiah 8, I mean, it's like pitiful people, right? I mean, they're just almost, I get the idea, they're kind of disgusting to God almost in all the things that they're doing. Um, and he's telling Isaiah that like he needs to take this message to them, bind this testimony, take the commandment to his disciples, right? So Isaiah, obviously we see, is being a follower in that, in that way. So he's being a disciple of sorts. And then Isaiah 30, what we saw was that this idea of discipleship is not just taking the message, but it's doing something, right? Like you need to do something. It's not just binding it on your hearts and understanding it, but following it following through on it. And that's why it says that they're going to defile their carved images. And I, I don't know if you've thought about that, but a carved image and like a gold-plated or silver-plated image would have been a defilement in and of itself, right, before God. And so for them to say defile, that is, hey, break that up. Get that out of here. Count that as being disgusting. Tell them be gone, okay? So that's kind of the state of the people, I guess. Um, they have a lot of work to do to get right with God and to be disciples. But the two things we've seen so far, and I'm going to emphasize this a lot this morning, uh, the two things we've seen so far is you need to bind God's word on your hearts, and you need to know it. And the second thing is you need to walk in it. So far that's what we've seen. So now Isaiah 50, and we're going to read verses, um, we'll start in verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to, those, to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who is speaking 
here, do you think? Just think, just think to yourself. So the book of Isaiah, the first three verses have, has quotes around it. It says, thus says the Lord in verse 1. So that's the Lord speaking. But verse 4, it's not the Lord speaking like it was in the first three verses. But who is saying this? Who's thinking this? It's easy to think it's Isaiah. And that, I mean, I'm sure that there's, that's true. But this is regarded as one of the servant songs. Um, there's several in the book of Isaiah where this is the Messiah. This is his perspective. Um, these are the things that, that he sees and is saying. And I think when we think about it from that standpoint, it brings another light and another aspect to this. What Jesus is saying here is something that was going to be true in his day. And if it and it kind of helps us to almost, as we take like the prophecies and the servant songs and things from the Old Testament, if we take that before we get to the Gospels and we kind of think about those things, it helps us to kind of form and shape the story of Jesus a little bit, a little bit better to me. Like when I, when I see the things that happened to him, I remember not just, oh, he said bad things are going to happen, but like he said specifically, there was a long time ago that he said things were going to happen to him. He was going to do certain things. Um, so that just kind of helps me a little bit. But what it also does is it helps me to think about being a disciple a little bit better. And I hope to bring that out this morning. So what I want to do is I want to walk through these few verses. And I want to just point out certain things about uh, the Lord here, about the servant that is speaking, and apply it to ourselves. And then we're going to go to the New Testament. And we're going to look at a few passages. I wish I had a lot of application points for you this morning, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't. I tried to think about some specific application points and I felt like they came up short. So I'm going to have some questions at the end and that's going to be my way of you applying it, I guess, is just by asking a few questions. So the first thing we see here is he says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. The servant has a message to speak. Um, not only does he have a message to speak, but he's been taught what to say. That, that reminds me of in the New Testament when Jesus himself says that I speak as the Father instructs me, right? That, that's what he says happens. Well, this is exactly what we see here. The Lord gave me a tongue of those who were taught. The servant was taught what to say, and he, and he said it. Then what we see is that the message is for the weary. I would say that message is not just for the weary, but it's for those that are just in need in general. And what did we actually see play out? What did Jesus say? Come to me, all you are who are heavy laden, those that are burdened, those that are weary, right? Those are the people that Jesus speaks to. Um, he obviously spoke to the rich and the people that were um, arrogant and, had, and didn't feel weary. He spoke to them. But the things he said weren't really the same thing that he said to the other people. Like his message to the needy was come to me. His message to those that were not in need, but they were in need, but they didn't see their need. His message to them was you hypocrites. You're arrogant. You're stiff necked, right? Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. How many times did he have to say that to people? Because they weren't listening. The next thing that we do see here is that the servant willingly listened. 
The Lord God has opened my ear, verse 5, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. Um, he had no qualms with what the Lord said to him and with what he was telling him. He took no issue or contention with it. And the, the last thing I see from the first three verses is that the servant was willingly disgraced for the message that he spoke. He says that he gave his back to those who strike. That's the last thing you do if someone's trying to punch you. You don't, you don't turn your back to them or someone that's going to try to beat you up. That's the last thing. I mean, maybe you turn your back to run, but you don't just turn your back to them. He is willingly giving himself up to these people. And then what he says about uh, he gives his cheek to those who pull out the beard. If you try to pull out a hair in my beard, I'm not going to be like lean into that. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to probably slap your arm away, push you away, and I'm going to move my head back. But that's not what he does. These people are trying to shame him, disgrace him. They're, I mean, think about how not just weird it would look, but think about seeing someone who not just has like a patchy beard, but it's like you could tell that like someone did some work on that beard because they were just like yanking hairs out. It's like, that's just pitiful. And they look odd. And they don't seem like they fit. And, and the servant here is saying like, I let them do that. He says he hid not his face from disgrace and spitting. And I can't help but think of Jesus as he was going to be crucified, as he was led through the streets, as he was spat upon, as he was mocked, as people were wagging their heads at him. This is Jesus here, who, as we see it play out. So as I said, just to, just to point it out again, it does remind me exactly what Jesus says in the Gospels, that he spoke as he was instructed, that he did as the Father told him, that he came for those that were uh, burdened and heavy laden, those that were weary. And he took punishment and shame that was not just. It was not right that it happened. But it also reminds me that he said that disciples would do the same. How many times did he say, take up your cross and follow me, deny yourself? What did he say in, in John 14? Uh, I mean, John 17 about those that would be believers one day. The things that Jesus went through because the world hated him, because he had a message to speak, is the same thing that we should expect as disciples today. So I guess that's, that's how this plays into to a lesson on discipleship. Is that although it was prophesied, although he said this long ago, we see it play out. And then he said that it was going to happen to us long ago. And it happened to many of those. It happened to so many of those disciples of his day. And I guess my question is, do we see that play out in our day? Not that people are trying to pull out our beards or maybe even beat us up. But do we see this play out where we have a message to speak or we've been taught, where we've been told what to do, where we understand that we, we're not rebellious and we, we can actually listen to God and have that message and then speak it, but because of doing so that there might be some repercussions. It's not all reward for following God. There might be some immediate like repercussions that happen here. And I would say that that idea of discipleship is uncomfortable for me. And maybe it is for you. Which is why I wanted to bring it up. Because the idea of following Jesus and being his disciple is a, it's a, just a beautiful thought. But then I think of maybe the a word that is similar that has the same root word and that's being disciplined 
and I'm immediately uncomfortable <laughs> because that doesn't play into my personality. Because to do that, it takes time. It takes a lot of listening. Um, we would say it takes a lot of study and, and reading. And that's true. But I would also encourage us to, to not just think of hearing God as in reading his word, but hearing God when, we, when we, like, we, we apply the things from his word and then we are actually listening to people and we're kind of living life and we're able to, to kind of take that in and apply it and kind of combine it with the things that we do know from what our study and then we're able to actually hear God because we can say, okay, this is how I ought to apply this. This is how this looks in real life. But then we have that message and there's that aspect. And I don't know about you, but I, I've been in several situations where I'm uncomfortable saying what I know is true and saying what I feel like I've been taught, saying the message that has been given to me. One example that I can think of is, and this is a long time ago. I don't know. I would like to think I would do something different um, now, but when I was in college, there was two, two distinct instances that I just feel like epitomized me being too afraid to say something or maybe just didn't feel like saying anything. I remember sitting in the business building at Auburn and I, and I, I saw this guy and I was just there because I didn't want to go home in between classes. I wasn't studying or anything. Um, and, but this guy was over there reading and he was reading the Bible and he, but he had his earbuds in and I was like, well, I don't want to bug him. And I, that's probably true. I didn't really want to bug him, but at one point he took one of his earbuds out and I still was like, well, I'm about to go to class. <laughs> you know? And so there was, there, was just, there was a really good reason for me not to say something. Or I thought there was a really good reason. There was a message at that time that, that I had to speak, and I didn't speak it. And I, and I would say that, obviously, that is not something that is good. That's something to be, um, I mean, to be honest with you, it's something that needs to be forgiven when we do that. But I just bring that up to say that it could be for fear that, that we don't say the message. The servant wasn't going to let that happen. Another instance was when, with it being a college campus, there were a lot of people that would come there and they would be, um, you know, preaching right outside of the major buildings and where there's a lot of foot traffic and stuff, saying a lot of things that were inappropriate and just very judgmental. Um, and I remember this one person, I don't remember if they were a guy or a girl, I, don't, I, I had my earbuds in, so they should have known not to say anything to me, um, but she comes up to me as I'm walking, and it was just me, I got separated from everybody because I was going to my car or something, and um, uh, they come up to me, and they, they, they say something, but I just kind of see them right here, I think they're just walking, and they kind of like tap me, and, and I pull my headphone out, and, and they just say, you don't know Jesus, and I was like, I think I do. I mean, I, I know Jesus. And, they just, and then they said, no, you don't. You think you do, but you don't know Jesus. In that moment, there was a lot of things I could have said. But what I did say was, okay. And that was it. I didn't feel like talking to them. I didn't feel like saying, what makes you say that? Or how do you know Jesus? Tell me what you know about Jesus. That would have been the appropriate thing to do. Or just, to say, or just to say what I know about Jesus. And I think back on moments like that, and those weren't like 
two moments where I'm proud of it. They're also not moments that define me today or anything, but, but those are just simple examples of, there was a message that I feel like I was in a place in my life I, I knew enough and I could have spoken up. I could have said something, but I didn't. And then I think about today, and I think, what, what stops me from speaking as a disciple today? And I think there's a couple different things. Um, the first thing I think is that maybe I, I'm not listening and taught like I ought to be. Um, maybe I'm not studying and I'm not actually knowing the things that are part of the message. And the second part, the second thing might be just that my own desires get in the way of me speaking the message. Maybe you find yourself in, that, in a similar situation. So that, that brings us through the first three verses. Now I want to touch on 7 through 9 in Isaiah 50. He says, The Lord helps me. I've not been disgraced. After, he just got, after he's been beat up, you know, he's been hit from the back, he's um, had his beard plucked out, it says that he hid not his face from disgrace and spitting, which means he was going to go through disgrace and being spat on. And he says, I have not been disgraced in verse 7. It says, I've set my face like a flint, a hard rock, a stone. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. And he says, he who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? This reminds me of Romans 8. It reminds me so much of Romans 8. Let's go ahead and go over there. Romans 8, and really this section, uh, to me, chapters 5 through 8, are really, really powerful and very helpful. But Romans 8, I mean, if you start in verse 1 and you kind of go down, there's a lot of this. But specifically in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? What things? The things about the fact that we don't have a reason to be weak and we don't have a reason to be in doubt. We have Christ. We have the Spirit. We're heirs together with Christ. God calls us sons. So what are we going to say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he asks several different things, tribulation, sword, all the, and it's nothing. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all, all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to, the, to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So as disciples today, can we say the same thing that we see that servant saying back in Isaiah 50? Who's going to contend with us? Hey, we have someone that vindicates us. Who's our adversary? You know, it doesn't matter because we're going to stand up together. Um, who's going to declare me guilty? Nobody, because it's God that justifies. God helps me. He pleads for my behalf. All those other things, all those other people that are against us, that cause, cause our lives to be difficult, 
they're going to be like garments that get worn out, is what he says in Isaiah 50. So, we, as we just read Romans 8, I think it's very clear that we can say the same thing. So up to this point, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I would understand it if you were like, okay, that's a lot of stuff that we just like read. So what does that mean? What, what are we to do? How, how does this really help us to be better disciples? Well, again, I would just go back to, to what I said earlier, that the emphasis on being a disciple is on being a people and being a people of God is to care for his word, to listen to it, and to act based on it. Um, that's what we see the that's what we see Jesus do in the Gospels, but that's what we see Jesus do. And I know it, I could understand it if, if Isaiah 50, you were thinking, well, maybe that's just Isaiah. Okay, fine. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just him. Maybe, you know, a lot of commentaries would say this that's pointing to the coming Messiah, but maybe it's just Isaiah. Well, fine. His attitude is the attitude of a disciple of Jesus as well. And I think that that's very clear as we think about the things we have studied, as we see uh, it play out in the Gospels and what Jesus' messages for his disciples. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to just read a few passages in the New Testament, make a couple points, and then that'll be it for today. Let's go over to Matthew 11. We talked about those that were weary and... Um, Talked about those that they were going to hear the, the message um, from the servant back in Isaiah. So Matthew 11, though, if we look beginning of verse 2. So John is in prison. He's heard that the Christ is there, right? And so he, I think that some of these things happen because he's wanting confirmation among the people, among, among John's own disciples that, hey, this is the guy that I was talking about. This is the Christ that you need to listen to, not, just, not me. John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ. He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So what he tells them to do is go tell John what you hear and see. At that point, whose disciples are they? I think this is the transition of them becoming disciples of Jesus because that's exactly what a disciple of Jesus does. I, I've heard things, I see things, and I go tell someone about it. I go tell them what I hear and what I see. I think this is the transition for them. But I also want to bring up something that I can't prove, and, and if you would disagree with this, that's okay. Um, the type of people or the, the things that were going on in 5 and 6, Jesus says this makes the case for why he is the Christ. I want to ask you if you find yourself in those things, in, in that list. Because as when I was reading through this, I thought, what if this isn't just physical? What if these were people that were spiritually, they were blind and they were lame and they were lepers. They were dead and poor and deaf. Because I, I'm not lame. 
I'm not blind. I'm not deaf. I'm not dead. I'm not a leper. So all those things, oh, that's, that's great, and that makes a case for him being the Christ. But then I, I just started thinking about, but I have been some of those things spiritually. And, and Jesus' message was, was for me as well, you know. And it wasn't just for those that were weary, that uh, were mistreated by the Jews or the Romans or anything like that. His message is, is for us today um, because we walk around and there's people that are blind, literally, but also spiritually they're blind to the things that are going on. There's people that are deaf to the word of God. There's people that are cast aside and they're, and they're in some way lepers in that way. And we know there's people that are spiritually dead that are walking around us. So what do we do with them? Well, do we not have a message to take to them? Jesus was there to help these people. And I would say that Jesus is there for the people that we come in contact with today. But it takes true disciples, and it takes understanding what true discipleship is to actually take that message to them. Now I want to go to John 10. John chapter 10, and I find this passage to be very encouraging. It's John 10, and we're not going to begin to verse, verse 22 is kind of where the section begins, but we're going to skip down to um, the verse 25. <clears throat> the middle of verse 25. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of, my, out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So obviously... They don't like what he just says about he and the Father being one. But one thing that we can take away from this is we can have confidence and encouragement to be the disciples that we need to be because we hear his voice, we follow him, and we do what he says. And he, we're not going to be snatched away from him. There's not a wolf that can come and drag us away. There's not a, somebody that can come and steal us from Christ and from God. If we follow him, we are his the Father is in control of this. And no one is greater than him. He is greater than all. The last passage that I would like to go to is in Hebrews. Because one of the things that I can't help but ask and, and think about is why. Why did he go through all of these things? Why Am I expected to go through all of these things? And, and it get, takes me to Hebrews 12. Verses 1 and 2 are fairly common passages to, to read and to be encouraged by because of this cloud of witness that you know, surrounds us and we can lay aside all, you know, every weight and, and run with the race. But what I want to focus on is Verse 2. Think back to Isaiah 50 and what the servant was going to go through. Why did he go through that? Why was he going to be disgraced? Why was he going to be put to shame? And, and how was he able to, to not see it as being disgraceful and shameful? He's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Jesus didn't regard it as shame because of the glory that was awaiting him. And it was worth it. All, all the things that he was going to go through was going to be worth the glory. And I, I would say as disciples, it's the same for us. When I think about how uncomfortable I might feel following Jesus and spreading the, his message, when I think about the changes I might have to make in my life, the people who I might not be as close to, the, the things I can't participate in, or whatever it might be, I can't help but think that it's worth it because of the glory that awaits me. If Jesus is the author and the perfecter and finisher of my, of my faith, then that means that where he is is where I'll be as well. So my questions that I have just as, as we wrap up and just as application points would be, what can you do to hear and be taught by God more or better? How can you do that? How can you be taught by God and, and listen to him more? And, and maybe you are listening to him and, and you are taught by him. You are, you're studying. And so then the follow-up question to that is, so are you taking his message? Are you actually speaking his message? The expectation that the father had for Jesus was, I tell you these things, you tell those things to the people. That's no different for us. As disciples, as followers, as those that are learned and taught by him, we're expected to, to teach it and to speak the message. So how can you do better about that? And maybe, maybe let's get more specific. What one person can you think of that you have already started having some of those discussions with that you've been a little timid to actually say and speak the message from God? And how long are you going to wait to actually say it? There's a few people I can think of in my life. And if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I have to speak the message. And lastly, are you willing to go through whatever it takes, not just to like get the job done, you know, but are you willing to, to go through anything and everything that might put you to shame, that might be embarrassing, that make you uncomfortable for you so that you can have the glory with God one day? And as I ask that, it's like, well, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, who's going to say no to that? But then I, but then I can't help but think there's times I, I would say yes today and that tomorrow I know that there's going to be a moment where I could do something. I could say something. And it doesn't seem worth it. So my encouragement to you as we wrap up is just to be focused on the glory of Christ today and tomorrow. And maybe that will help us to be focused on the glory that will, that will await us as well. So I know this hasn't been about what it takes to actually become a disciple. This is more about just what it means to be a disciple from this one aspect. But I would say that if you struggle with that and you feel like, and you just know that you're not living as a disciple, you're not truly being a follower of Jesus in your life, you need to correct it. You need to... You know, like he said in Isaiah 30, whatever was going on, all those carved images, you need to say that all that stuff be gone. And you need to listen to him and you need to follow him. And if you need help with that, you know, one of the questions from Isaiah 50 was, 
you know, basically who's going to be our adversary, we don't stand alone, right? And I know that's about God being with us, but it, I think in a very real way, that's about us being here for each other. So we can pray for you. We can help you. And it could be that you just pull someone aside. And if that's all that you need to do, then I would encourage you to do that. Um, so we do have a, a song of invitation that Stephen's prepared. And so we'll go ahead and stand and sing that song. <laughs>